Amen. Welcome into Lindsay Lane. My name is Andy John King, and I'm the lead pastor of Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome in. If you have your Bibles, you turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis is in the beginning. Amen. And so Genesis chapter 1, you can also turn to Luke. You can turn to Proverbs. Just keep it all open, all right? Because we're going to be bounced around just a little bit, but we are beginning a new series today called Connect Card Christianity. Connect Card Christianity is... Uh, you walk in to our, our services, you should be handed a, uh, a bulletin, and that bulletin will give you information about our church, but inside that bulletin you will find a connect card. This has already been mentioned. Uh, you'll find a connect card there, and if you will fill this out, place it in the offering bucket on the way out, we'll be glad to follow up with you. But in using this and looking this over in the past week, God began to put something on my heart, uh, one word especially that we'll get to later on in this series. Um, but, but this is our connect card, and if you've not connected with us yet, this is a way to do that, to take that first step. Uh, again, with the connect card, the first thing that you'll see on there under the date after that is your name. If you fill out this entire connect card, submit this at the end of the service, you put it in the bucket, we get it out, and we begin to follow up with you. If you did not put your name on it, the first question we're going to ask is, what is your name, right? Your name is your identifier, our names are personal distinctives. Our names are designations. And because they are, they're oh so important. When you think about the beginning of names, we think about Genesis. Because in Genesis, God begins to create everything. All beginnings begin with God. God is the original cause of it all. And so God, as almighty creator, when he began to create creation, he began to assign names to everything that he created. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that he called the light day. And called the darkness night. And he called the space sky. So in the beginning, because God has all authority, he gave all of it a name. Until he designated or delegated that authority to someone else. The first name that was ever given to a person was Adam. This name of this person was given to Adam by God. Naming is an act of authority. Naming is an act of leadership. If you create a business, you get to decide what it's called. If you have children, you decide what their name will be. It's an act of assigning identity. It signifies order, signifies leadership and authority. And as soon as we are, as later on in the service, we're going to ask you the question, what is your name? But before we get to that question of what is your name, we're going to ask you an even more important question, where is your name? So think about that just for a moment. Where is your name? If you will, would you please turn to the book of Luke? As you can hang on to Genesis chapter 1 through 3, if you would turn to the book of Luke. In the book of Luke in chapter 10, I'll set this up while you're turning there to give you time to actually look at a particular verse. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. But in Luke chapter 10, Jesus has sent the disciples out. Jesus has sent not just the 12 out, but Jesus has sent, the scripture says, about 70 of them out. They've gone to nearby towns, followers of Christ, and he has given them the plan. He's given them the description. He's given them the power to go and to witness in his name. They took the same message that we are to take ourselves, which is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the hope the world's been waiting on in order to experience eternal life. And so he's given them this responsibility. And when they return in Luke chapter 10, they are overjoyed. And they are somewhat impressed by the level of spiritual power that was within them. Meaning they come back and they're like, Lord, that was awesome. 
Like, what just happened, when we went out and we said things in your name, things began to happen. The power that we had in your name, demons were cast out. Powers of spiritual darkness were suppressed when we used your name. And they were impressed by that. Joyous, in fact, over what had just happened as God sent them out. And then Jesus says to them something interesting in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Where is your name? Rejoice because your names are written to completion in the Lamb's book of life, is what Jesus said. The Lord gave his disciples authority against all the forces of evil. Hey, church, did you know he gives the same authority to us? The Lord, by his spirit power inside of every believer, gives us power and authority over Our sin nature, power and authority over the darkness that would come against the light. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. So for those of us who are in Christ, we have placed our faith in Jesus. The scripture says we have this incredible power. What kind of power? Let's keep reading. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the same mighty power that seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. You may feel defeated as a believer as you've walked in here today and maybe drug some sin in with you. And maybe that's because you have not yet learned to access the power of God that is within you. Because the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is promised to every believer. And in that is power. Sometimes we, we, don't just, we yield to everything else but the power that God has given us. And the believer has the power to live in freedom. The believer has the power to overcome. The believer has the power to suffer well. As believers in Jesus Christ, we've been given this same power. But listen, there's no thought of power on earth if our name is not written in heaven. Let me say it one more time. There's no thought of having power for living if our name is not written in heaven. I'll ask again, where is your name? As Jesus told them, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Last week, my family and I ordered some food online. You got to be careful with that because they'll get you with some hidden fees, amen? Like You need to be watchful. Watchful of that. You go expecting to pay something, you pay $10 more. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, we walk in. And, and I, I'm going to the line where you pick up food that's been ordered by phone or online. And what's the first question she asked me, y'all? What's your name? Can you give me your name? And so as, I, as I'm thinking to myself, what name do we use? What I'm experiencing here is she asked me, what is the name? Is that there are all kinds of things that have been prepared for us behind those kitchen doors that belong to us. But if my name is not on that list, then I'm going to be waiting and wishing and wanting. Well, something interesting happened. When she asked for my name, I gave her the name Brittany. That's my wife's name. My wife ordered the place the order. She ordered the food. So in thinking what name did she give, maybe we should talk about this later, about what name to give universally all the time. But I'm thinking about what name was given to the person behind the counter, and I said, Brittany. And she said, we don't have that name. I was like, okay. So she did not give her name. Maybe she gave her last name. I said, well, let's try this one. Let's try King. She said, don't have that one either. 
And I'm thinking, man, this cornbread is getting cold, right? So, and then I said, all right, we're going to give it one more shot. I said, what about Andy or Andy John? And the reason you don't give Andy John is because my parents blessed me with a double name, a countrified double name that nobody knows if John is your last name or your first name, and it's craziness. And for those of you that have double names, you can testify, amen? So, so I get it. I said, what about Andy or Andy John? And she said, yep, that's the one. We got it right here. Brought it out. Bought and paid for on the way home. Here's the deal. They weren't looking for a bunch of names. They were looking for that one name. Y'all know where I'm going? They were looking for this one name. When it comes to earth, our names are important, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But when it comes to heaven, there's only one name that will get our name on that list. When it comes to heaven, there's only one name. When it comes to eternal life, when it comes to forgiveness of sins, when it comes to the power in life, over life, there's only one name that will get our name on that list. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Speaking of the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would protect us, provide for us, but use us for your glory. God, would you give us attention to your word? Help us to settle, Lord, as we listen to your scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, Jesus is the only name by which we must be saved, the only name that can get our name on the list, because he's the only one who has paid the price for our sin. Jesus is the only one sent by God for that purpose to die for our sin in our place, for our transgressions. This is Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has not only died for our sin, but who has exhibited almighty God's power over death to give us hope of eternal life. There's only one name under heaven by which men must be right with God, and it's through the name of Jesus. What about Muhammad? Sorry, sir, we don't have that name on the list. What about Buddha and Brahma? Sorry, you want to try again, that's not on the list. What about your name or my name and our works? And Put our name, is our name on the list? Sorry, sir, that's not on the list. I'm not being hateful, I'm being biblical. Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. He is the endorsement of God, the the Messiah, the one the world's been waiting on. And I realize this may be simple, but it's very serious. If you are counting on your own good works, if you are counting on anything else to bust heaven wide open, there's only one way to get your name on that list, and it's through the name of Jesus Christ. For the Scripture says, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls upon the name, that is the authority. Whosoever calls upon the authority of God will be saved. And once our name is on that list, we can have everything that's promised us in that kitchen. We get it all. All the things that have been prepared for us. In heaven, yes, but even on earth, the power that comes from being a Christian man. We need to quit acting like dragging around all this weakness. God has given his spirit of power inside of us. This is who we are. And it comes when the name's on that list. And the only way for the name to be on that list is for us to turn from ourselves and turn to God and place our ever-loving, genuine faith in Jesus the Christ, the living God. If we want power in our life, power towards our reputation, it begins with our registration. Now the next question is, as we have dealt with our 
registration and where is your name, the next question is, what is your name? This has to do with reputation. Once again, names signify authority. Names signify, or giving of names, naming signifies order. And this began at creation with God assigning names because, again, God has all authority. Then in the middle of Genesis chapter 2, this responsibility to name names was given to Adam. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, Adam himself named his helpmate. Did you know that? Did you know Eve was given to Eve by Adam? Adam named her. Now, men, I would not suggest that you try to do this today. I would not suggest that you go home and talk to your wife and say, you know what, your name's out, i got another one for you. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go well for you this morning or tonight. <laughs> All right, anyway, I would just say be careful with that because that naming name responsibility has been delegated. It has been delegated now from God to man. It's been delegated from God to man, to parents. Now parents are giving the name of their children that's given to them by the parents. Do you see how God is setting up responsibility? God is setting up order. God is is setting this up so that there would be a responsibility of leadership and oversight within the systems that we have. This is what God is doing in our home. God is a God of order. He's a God of planning. God knows exactly what he's doing. Listen, I, I do think that this scripture indicates that men, we are to be the spiritual leader in our home. You might not want to hear that, but it's the truth. And that doesn't mean, men, that God's going to make you a preacher. I know for my wife, she doesn't need a preacher. She needs to be a man of God in the home. That's, that's what's needed. Her daddy was a preacher. Her uncle was a preacher. She don't need another one. <laughs> she needs to be a man of God in the home. That's, that's what we've been called to, to be the spiritual leaders in our home. And then parents, we are to be the spiritual leaders of our children. Somebody say Amen. We give them their name. They get their name from us as God has given that responsibility to us. Parents, can I tell you the things that I'm seeing right now in the news and headlines? There are so many parents are beginning to let their children choose everything. I mean, this is the truth. And it's a struggle. I get it. It's a struggle, I know. As children get older, I understand that because they're beginning to think for themselves and beginning to be mature. But as I've, under, I've explained to our children, my wife and I have explained, God gave us us, gave us you so that we could be oversight for you. God gave you us. And, and, and what again, what we're seeing is we're seeing parents that are, are, are leaving tremendous decisions about identity to children. Now, we would say that this is a loving thing. That's not loving. That's lazy. That's what that is. Because we don't want the responsibility if they disagree. That's what happens. See, we don't want to tackle those big issues. We want to just let them figure it out on themselves. That's not loving on them. That's easier on us because we don't have to deal with it when it goes against what we believe. Parents, we have that responsibility to love our children, to teach our children, to teach them what the Word says about who they are, who God is, who we're not. That's within us and our responsibility. And so God sets up these, these systems of order and He gives naming responsibilities for that reason. And, and as God is doing that, as we are talking about responsibilities, we're talking about our reputations, we are talking about what God has set up as far as systems. He gives oversight to the church. And when God says, listen, I think there are teenagers and children in here all across the board. 
as God is, is bringing this up in 1 Timothy about leaders in the church, oversight, overseers, elders, and deacons, one of the characteristics of elders and deacons is that they must be managers of their home. In order to be a credible Christian leader, you've got to be a manager of your home. That's what it says. So God has given us that responsibility to do with it well. Hey, children and teenagers, can I ask you a question? Are y'all able to be managed? See, because some of that falls on your responsibility as well. Children and teenagers, are you stopping your dad from becoming a deacon in here? See, I'm a youth, I was a youth pastor. I get to talk about all this stuff. See, as God has set up systems of order, he's done that for your good. And if our parents are credible Christians, as we should be, then we can provide credible oversight for you to follow, and that way you'll be able to have the same standing when you get there. But this is what God has set up. The responsibility of naming, the responsibility of leadership and order was given unto man. He set this up so that there would not be chaos, but so that there would be leadership and a direct direction. Now, did you notice in Genesis chapter 3 that when Adam named Eve, the scripture says that he did so because? Meaning there's a reason why he named her Eve. There was a motive behind the naming. Here we truly see that when a name is given, there's a desire for the person who receives that name to carry great meaning. The scripture says again, then he named her Eve because. In fact, the scripture we see when name in the scripture we see a lot when names are given, they are often given because of the great meaning given to them. But while a name is given and purpose, now hear me. While a name is given to all of us and its purpose for something, a reputation is chosen. A reputation is chosen. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1, it's on your screen. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Choose a good reputation. Choose a good name, some of your translations may say. This word for name or reputation is Shem. Shem occurs over 800 times in the scripture, and it indicates who we really are. The reality of who someone really is or who they really are not. This is all for real. This is what the scripture says when it mentions the word Shem. Choose a good name. Choose a good reputation. When Brittany and I married... My lovely wife decided to take my last name, but that wasn't easy for her. I'm just going to tell y'all. And the reason is, it's not because of, of some grandstanding stance. It was because she appreciated the name that was given to her by her folks. They had a good family name. And she appreciated my family name, but she, know, she knew what went into creating that family name for her. And so, yes, she took mine, and now we have the same last name. But guess what we've got? We don't have the heritage of our parents to stand on. We've got to choose our reputation for us now so that our children want to keep our name too. See, that's the responsibility we have. It doesn't matter the name that you've been given. Yeah, if you've got a good name, then your mom and daddy or grandparents paid for that name. They worked for that name. They chose that name. But that name doesn't get good standing unless you choose your reputation. Your parents may, your, your kids, our kids may not enjoy the last name that we have unless we do the work of choosing a good reputation, which the scripture says is more valuable than great riches. Being held to high esteem is better than silver or gold. That word choose or chosen is properly meant to try. 
Meaning that in every day, in our effort, our responsibility, we are to work for or keep a good name. Is this a morality lesson? Yeah, kind of. But I'm pretty sure Christians are supposed to be about morality. As God says, Jesus said, you be holy as I am holy. Amen? Make no mistake, the Bible, especially in the wisdom literature of the Bible, considers a good name as something to be desired. Considers a good name, a good reputation to be valuable to God. And because of this, I would say this to students, but not just to students, but also adults. We might should stop asking the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? And start asking the question, what do I want to represent along the way? Or even better, who do I want to represent along the way? Because if your name is registered and my name is registered, then our reputation must match our registration. Are you hearing me? Our registration has to match our reputation. Our reputation has to match our registration. Because as Christians that we learned a few weeks ago, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we rep the name, stand the same, and play the game. This is who we are as believers. Yes, our reputation, or better stated, the reality of who we are is a choice. It's a choice. But it's just like all choices, they're evaluated by God. All choices are accountable to God. But there's something else, and this is the part I really want you to hear. Our reputation, while it is our choice and it is between us and God, our reputation has everything to do with people. It has everything to do with other people. Can I ask you a question that goes along with what is your name? What is your name in your family? What is your name in this church family? Let me ask you a bigger question. What is your name What is your reputation in this community? By the very definition of reputation, we are not disassociated from people. The the word reputation connects ourselves and our outlook or our influence to other people. So Christians, how we view other people is important, but also it's important how other people view us. That's just as important. Because again... How people receive us may determine how people receive our message. Maybe the reason we don't care what people think is because we're not trying to take them anything. Maybe the reason we don't care what what people think about us is because we don't plan on giving them a message that represents anything great in ourselves anyway. Our culture has a very prideful stance. Our, Our culture has this air of favor those who are with me and forget those who are not. Y'all know this is how, anytime you look on social media, anytime you look and in, in, in really into in popular culture, it's basically, I'm going to do me, and if you like it, great. If you don't, then fine. Well, let me tell you, that works out just fine unless Jesus is your Lord. If Jesus is your Lord, you can't talk that way. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can't do anything you want to do anytime you want to do it. Because you've been bought with a price and you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, your relationship with others and your reputation either matches your registration or it don't. This is the truth of the Scripture. Listen, I I certainly think we need to have a healthy self-respect. And we need to have a healthy self-worth. I think those are biblical as well. And we should not live solely to please others. That's not the message this morning. But the kind of approach that says, I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, and if anybody wants to support it, great, but they don't, great. There's a word for that. It's called selfish. That's what it's called. I'm, I'm 38 years old. 38 years old. Some of y'all ask me that. Some of y'all ask me that from 
more times than I like it. <laughs> How old are you anyway? I'm 38 years old. You know what I found out of being 38? The older I get, the more I don't want to change up the way I do things. The older I get, the more confident I get in the things that I do. The older I get, the more I'm not open to change. The, more I, the older I get, the more I want you to roll with me instead of me rolling with somebody else. Are you with me? And that happens the older you get. You get stuck in your ways. It happens, again, teenager to young adult to, to middle adult, senior adult, all these things. But once again, our reputation has to match our registration because we rep the name. It does not matter how old you are. See, we, we do things like, well, that's just the way my mom and daddy taught me. Well, maybe your mom and daddy might have been wrong. See, we don't consider those things. This is where I'm from. This is our heritage. Great. You've got to run that by the Lord Jesus Christ, as I understand it, if you belong to him. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Whatever you say or do, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. It does not say whatever you say or do, let it be as a representative of what I want to do. <laughs> whatever you say or do, let it be as a representative of your mom and daddy, your culture, your grandparents, your family name. That's not what it says, church. What it says is whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that a high calling? You bet it is. But he paid for that. Consider Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you, is what the Bible says. Tie them around your neck, and as a reminder, write them deep within your heart. Loyalty and kindness, the Scripture says. Never let it leave you. And then, look, then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Loyalty and kindness. If, if we would even just work on that for this week, loyalty and kindness towards our reputation for those around us and in the community. Those are the characteristics of God. That's why we find the favor of God in those characteristics because that's who God is. God never divorces his church. God never leaves his church. God always protects his church. God is always kind to the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Loyalty and kindness are of God. When we pick up on those characteristics for our reputation, then we are blessed of God. What do we get? The favor of God. Well, what's even bigger than, than the scripture that it says in chapter 22, verse 1? What's greater than great riches? Trial in the favor of God. That's even greater. But another thing happens if you notice loyalty and kindness are relational characteristics. Loyalty and kindness are characteristics that, yes, find favor with God, but they also give us good standing with people. When we are loyal to people and we are kind to people, you know what comes after that? Influence. Influence. And then credibility. And then the listening to the message that we bring. Therefore, when we choose for our reputation to match our registration, we are in a position to influence people for the glory of God and the good of man, the reason that we're here. So yes, it matters what people think about you. I'm, church, we have got to stop this stuff in our culture that is, it don't matter what people think about me, I'm going to be me. Where do we get that from? Do we get that from here or from our inside of our feelings? Of course it matters what people think about us. Now, we're not going to live for folks, and, and, and we're not going to, to go the extra length to put ourselves out and be insecure and find ourselves unworthy. But it absolutely matters what picture we paint of ourselves in the community because we have a responsibility to work for the glory of God and the good of man. So this selfish culture of, 
We're just going to do whatever we want to do. If you want to roll with us, you can. Who gave us that? That sounds exactly like selfish folks. Like that's, that's, that's what we want to do in and of ourselves. God says, you're registered in heaven. Your registration has got to match your reputation. Because in Matthew 28, he sends us out. Is that not what he does? He sends us out in the Great Commission, and he gives us power in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to go here, there, and everywhere with the Spirit of God, to go and baptize and make disciples. Well, we represent his name. Y'all, it's going to be pretty hard if we pre- treat people terrible during the week, and then on Sunday we say, sit down here, let me tell you about Jesus. You know what matters? When you go to lunch this afternoon and, and, and your food is not served on time or it's cold, it matters how you respond. Are you hearing me? It matters how we respond when things don't go our way in front of other people. You want to be a light for Christ? It's easy when everything's going right. What about when it's not going right, how we act? Everything doesn't go our way. We can't just pitch a fit and throw the menus up in the air and make a scene. Have we considered whether or not that person's lost or saved? In our families, it matters how we act in our families. In our communities, at our place of business. You can't do business any way you want to do if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the bottom line ain't the dollar. The bottom line is the deity. That's good. I need to write that one down. <laughs> but you can't. You can't, you can't act any way you want to act as a, as a believer if you belong to Christ. Last question. Where is your name? What is your name? Last question. What do you want your name to be? Think about that. No matter what stage or chapter of life you're in, what do you want your name to be? If it is what it is right now, where would you like for it to be when you finish? We, we, have, a, we have a saint of God. Funeral is Tuesday. And when I hear his name, I think about godly things. Are you hearing me? Like I think about things that are characteristics of God. What, what do you want your name to be when people hear it? And you may say today, as you ask that question, I hear what you're saying, but there, there's a mark over my name. And it is what it is, and I bought and paid for it, but, you know, I've messed up lately. Or you might even say this, that, that over my lifetime, I've been selfish for a lifetime, or, you know, this, this is who I am, and, and, and I've worked against God and against His purposes for my entire life. So when people hear my name, they hear this. I don't know if it's any hope of it. But I would love for my name to mean something different before I go. See, when we, when we ask and answer that question, if it's not what we desire, then we have this like feeling of, I don't know if it can ever be changed. Well, you don't have the authority to change your name, but God does. And you don't have the power to change your reputation, but God does. Let's go back to Genesis. Did you notice when Eve's name arrived on the scene? Now, I love this. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, we are told, Then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. Do you notice that? In, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 19, this is where Eve, this is where Eve has... She, we just like her, by the way, because we inherited that sin nature of Adam and Eve. God has got them in the garden, and it's awesome. And he's like, man, y'all, y'all just enjoy all of this, but don't touch that. And we're just like that because here's what we do. We'll be like, gosh, this is awesome. Now, what's that about? And we walk straight over to it. So she goes over. She goes to the tree. She's deceived. She, she bites fruit of the tree that God told them not to do. God has a standard. When we disobey, there's consequences. Adam was a bad leader. 
Now, now we've got a family in sin, and then this is kind of a big deal because sin in Genesis enters into the world. So what you would think is, is that once Adam and Eve dropped the ball, and really, honestly, especially Eve, that because once they've dropped the ball and because she's eaten of the fruit and gave it to Adam and all that kind of thing, you would think that that would be the end of them. Like that's the end of their story. They're written out or they're dropped by God and he just moves on, right? Like you would think that that would be the end of the story. But what comes next is God's love and his grace. Because in their shame, God sacrifices an animal because God saves and redeems and shows his grace through the system of sacrifice. And he sacrifices an animal to give them clothing which covers up their new shame. But that's not all that he does within his grace. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, after the fall of man, after the great sin of Eve, she's then given a name. And this name has a great purpose. Eve did not get her name before the sin. Eve got her name after. She got her purpose after what in the world are you trying to say even after sin there can be new identity because of God's grace even after sin so I don't know what you came in here with I don't know what it is and the truth is it don't matter you don't have the power and authority to overcome that reputation but God does and one of the ways he has the power and authority to do that is because he is who he is And so when you have a lifetime of sin, but you are then saved and given a new name, a new life moving forward, and somebody says against your reputation, well, yeah, but you used to do all this, and we know who you really are. That may be all well and fine, but God says that ain't the truth. You've got a new name written down in glory in his mind, amen? A new name written down in glory. God has the authority to say those things. One of my favorite illustrations, I've told this before, a good friend of mine we were, we were playing baseball. Our sons were playing baseball together. Uh, on the team was another guy that my friend went to college with. And so we're standing around talking about them and their families. Like, man, yeah, we've known them for a long time. Known for a long time. Uh, they're good folks. Yeah, they're good folks. So how do you know them? Well, they, we used to go to college together. We hung out in college together. That's awesome. Asked me, so how do you know them? So we go to church together. He, he actually leads a group in our church. And he went, he leads a group in your church? I was like, yeah. He goes, the guy that, that we just talked about, he's leading in your church. I said, yes, sir. And he was like, huh. Well, that's good. Like that. It was almost like he didn't buy it. It don't matter. No matter. Because his authority is not over his name. The Lord Jesus Christ now is over his name and has changed his purpose. And his purpose came even after sin. And God can do the same thing for you. I don't know what your reputation is. I don't know what you may even think it is. But if you want to go in a different direction towards godly purposes and it be left as a godly name, then God can do that through his grace. Through his grace. That's the power of his grace. That's not the only place when we talk about names in Genesis chapter 17. And maybe you're thinking, it's not a sin thing. It's more of just what I deal with. And hold on. In Genesis chapter 17, God, by the power of his authority and within his covenant relationship with Abraham, changed Abraham's name. Abraham's name, before it was Abraham, was Abram. That's not a huge change, but it is. In verse 5, God tells Abraham, what's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, You will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. 
Well, Abram's name to begin with, Abram meant high father. Well, that's good, isn't it? High father's a pretty good name. Well, for Abram, when your name is high father and you live a whole long time and you don't have any kids, I'm sure there are people that picked on him because of that. High father, huh? Where are your kids at? There was probably a, a, a real sense of insecurity with his name. There was even probably a sense of grief for his name. But God changed his purpose. And God changed his name. God changed his reputation. And now we know Abram, the high father, as Father Abraham that has all them sons. Abraham means father of multitudes. That happened. The purpose of his life happened because in God's grace and his love for man, he changed that for Abram. Abram to Abraham. And now we remember his reputation based on God's grace unto Abraham. Based on how Abraham walked with God and had faith in God and he lived out that purpose. And because he did, his reputation changed. And if anybody in here thinks that your reputation is going to change in 30 seconds of microwave time, that ain't how it works. Settle in and let God work with you over time. And then in Acts, God changed Paul's reputation. You know that story? God changed Paul's reputation. Saul was public enemy number one of the church. Saul was as passionate about, when he began, he was dragging folks out of their homes, men, women, and children that were Christians. He was having them be arrested. Some of them led to the death. Saul did all those things until God's shining light got a hold of him. And, and some, again, I, I've, I've even looked at it this week, there, there's some speculation that Paul's name from Saul to Paul was changed. That it was changed by God upon conversion. But that's actually not true. You can look in the scriptures and all that. But it doesn't matter about the name and when his name changed. What does matter is that his identity and reputation was changed for sure. And God did that. God saved Paul. And then Paul walked in the Spirit. And then he taught others to do the same. And now looking back, church, what do we do? We don't remember Saul anymore. We think about Paul. His identity was changed. God did that. How? In his grace. They were just like any of us. We do not deserve the unmerited favor of God. That's why it's called unmerited. But God saved us by his grace and is willing to walk with us. He gave us his Spirit and put his spirit inside of us. So yes, the question to begin with is, where is your name? And then the next question is, what is your name? Registration, reputation, but then there's regeneration. God can make you new. And God can give you power over sin, because he doesn't just free us from the penalty of sin, but he gives us power over sin. And he does that by his grace and mercy and the power of his Holy Spirit. But again... Regeneration and reputation are not even questions to even talk about if there's no registration. When we have an invitation here in just a moment, we open up the altar. Our pastors are standing down front. And when all that happens, that's when we give you time to respond. That's what's happening then. And some of you grew up in church and you understand an invitation, you know exactly what's about to happen. We're about to sing, we're going to give time to be quiet and sing and respond. And some of you that may be here for the first time today, first time in your life to be at church, or maybe you don't have, know how church goes, this is called an invitation. 
And we'll have pastors here. And if you want to get up and walk the aisle and you just say very simple words, I need to be saved. I want to join the church. I want to be baptized. I want to know more. I have questions. Our pastors are here for that. But can I tell you one more thing? When I got saved, I didn't walk the aisle because God's Spirit got to me in my home. I went inside my bedroom, got on my knees, and I cried out to God. And I called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And God changed me. But I didn't become a preacher at 11. God began to grow me up, and God's Spirit convicted me. Sometimes He whipped me, and I needed it. But God began to grow me from that point. Let me ask you today as we, as we respond, which question today do you need to answer? Where is your name? What is your name? Or what would you like for your name to be? Amen? Let's stand to our feet. We are here to help you today. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. The altar is open for you. You can make your way down right now. If this is, is pierced your heart and mind and it finally makes sense for the first time, if you need to talk to somebody, our pastors are going to be here. We're ready and waiting for you. Maybe you just want to come pray at the altar. Nothing says you have to come pray at the altar, but it sure is something special about getting on your knees before God. Lord, we pray over this response time in the name of Jesus. We are not our own, Lord. We belong to you. So how we live and how we respond and what we do in front of other people matters. Lord, I'm just praying today, oh God, that the regeneration, the making new, Father, that we would buy that because you are the living God. You can still do living work. Lord, if if we consider our name and We don't know where it is. Lord, we're told in the scriptures that the book of life belongs to the slaughtered lamb. That that is your book. You decide whose name is on it. And we can be saved by calling upon your name. Lord, if there be one or many that needs to do that today, I pray, oh God, that they would just yield. That they would just yield. And Lord, wherever we have work to do, in our homes, our businesses, our families, in the community, Lord, I pray that we would walk in the Spirit so we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.